Hey everyone, this is Blake, host of the That You May Know Him podcast, and welcome back to Two for Ten, the show where we study the Bible one book at a time, one verse at a time. On today's episode of Two for Ten, we're going to be in Revelation chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, where we are going to hear, finally, for the first time, Jesus speak in this book. Remember when the Apostle John heard behind him the sound of a voice, and it sounded like the roar of many waters, that voice that sounded like a loud, piercing trumpet? Well, what exactly did that voice say? That's what we're going to find out today on 2 for 10, so let's get it going. All right, guys, welcome back to 2 for 10. Once again, I'm your host, Blake Barbera, host of the That You May Know Him podcast, and today we're going to be in Revelation chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. And for the first time in this amazing letter of Revelation, we're going to hear Jesus Christ speak. Remember, John was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and he heard a voice coming from behind him. It was like the roar of many waters. And he turned and he saw his Lord and his friend, Jesus Christ, standing there. The last couple of episodes, we've actually gone through John's description of Jesus. He looked a lot different than he did when he was on earth, even after he was resurrected the first time. This Jesus, it's the same Jesus, but Jesus who appears to John 60 years later looks a little different now. He's got hair that's like white wool, that's as white as snow. He's got eyes like flames of fire. He's got feet like burnished bronze. He's dressed like a high priest or like a, like a judge. And he's got a sword protruding out of his mouth. Jesus has the word of God protruding out of his mouth. Now we get to hear Jesus speak. So if you have a Bible, turn to Revelation chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. They go like this. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Guys, the first obvious thing that we come to in this passage is that when John saw Jesus, he fell down at his feet as though dead. This is not really a surprise. John walked with Jesus for three years. John was one of those very few, very special people that had the privilege of being one of Jesus' disciples, of spending probably nearly every waking moment with the Son of God for the three years that he was operating his ministry here on earth. John describes himself in his gospel as the one who Jesus loved. John saw himself as sort of like the favorite or the best friend of Jesus. And there's no doubt that after 60 years of serving his Lord and his friend faithfully, John would have longed. John was longing to see this friend. Imagine spending three years of your young life with Jesus and then serving him faithfully for 60 years and just waiting, 
hoping, longing for the day you get to see him again. And then one day, he just appears to you. He appears to you and he calls to you and you turn and you see him. And remember, it's not just any old person that he sees. It's the risen Christ. It's the living one. It's the one who says, I am the first and the last. John rightfully fell down at his, at his feet as though dead. You and I probably would have had the same reaction. Jesus then says to John something that he surely, surely had said to him in days past, many, many years before. Remember when the disciples were on the Sea of Galilee, crossing, crossing the sea, crossing the lake one night, and Jesus had told them, get in the boat, go to the other side, I'll see you there in the morning. And the disciples were like, how's he going to get to the other side of the lake by morning? So they get in the boat, they cross the, they, they cross the sea, it's called the Sea of Galilee, it's actually a big lake, and a storm hits, and their boat is being tossed, and they're afraid that they're going to die. And Jesus comes walking to them on the water, and he says to them, fear not, or do not be afraid. That's the first thing that Jesus says to John in this moment, and rightly so. The next thing he says is it sort of gives us an indication as to how and why Jesus could even make a statement like, do not be afraid. But before we get there, we just have to reiterate or, or clarify something. This phrase, fear not, is used 365 times in the Bible. That's one for every day of the, every day of the year. And as I've said many times on this podcast and in many other teachings that I've done, I believe that the Bible teaches consistently, faithfully, all through Scripture, that the people of God are called to fear one thing and one thing only, and that is the Lord. And when you fear the Lord, you fear nothing else. When you fear the Lord, you fear nothing else. Jesus tells John to fear not, and indeed, we're told 365 times in the Bible to not be afraid. That should be very, very comforting, but it's also something to be taken seriously. Because in the original language in Greek, when Jesus says this to John, it's not a suggestion or a request. It is a command. It is like a direct order. John, do not be afraid. There was a time in my young life when I first realized that this this phrase that I read all through the Bible, don't be afraid, fear not. It isn't just something that's there to comfort me. It's something that God wants me to actively engage in, not fearing or putting away fear from my life. Again, like I said, Christians are called to fear the Lord. And when you fear the Lord, you fear nothing else. I hope that you find comfort, especially if you're one who struggles with fear, as many people do, with being afraid of things. Look, most fear is somehow, some way, attached or assimilated in our minds with finality, with death. A lot of us still have this fearfulness that one day we're going to cease to exist, and that'll be the end of it. That's exactly the thing that Jesus is dealing with in this passage. But I just want you to know, it's something that God doesn't just request. It's something he commands of his people. And he is the one who will help you to get rid of all fear that is unfit, that is unright, that is unbecoming 
of a saint. Because if you fear the Lord, you will truly learn to fear nothing else. And that is my hope and my prayer for you. And God surely will help you, will help you in that venture. The next thing Jesus says is very important. This is, this is why Jesus has the right to tell us, do not be afraid. Because he says next, I am the first and the last. The living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. There's one other thing he says after that, but we'll get to it. How is it that Jesus could tell us, could command us? From where does he get the authority to command us to not be afraid? That's a simple question to answer. He is the first and the last. Once again, Jesus shows us, he's showing John something that John surely had known for a long, long time, that he and the Father are one. Jesus, all through the New Testament and all through this book, is presented to us as Yahweh. And this is no different. Saying, I am the first and the last, is just like saying what God said to Moses. I am who I am and I will be who I will be. I am the eternal one. I am the always. Jesus is simply affirming and confirming something that we see all through the New Testament. It actually started with the with 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 John, with John the baptizer. I was going to say the apostle John, but that's this John. We're talking about John the baptizer. The one who was sent by God to prepare the way of the Lord. John tells us that Jesus existed before he was born. That Jesus existed long ago with the Father. And we see this all through the New Testament. And this is no different. At the end of this book, in Revelation 22, Jesus will just like his Father say to us, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. And how is it that I can look you in the eyes with my flaming eyes and say, do not be afraid? Because John... Because saint, believer, Christian, whoever you are, I know the end from the beginning. And nothing is going to happen that is outside of my scope, that is outside of my control. I've got this. I am the all-powerful one. That's what Jesus is saying right here to John. And that's the reason why he can say to us over and over and over again, Do not be afraid. Okay, Jesus says, I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I died and behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys to death in Hades. Remember how I told you earlier that fear is usually in some way associated in people's minds with death or with finality? Well, that's true. And that's why I think Jesus associates these two things here. Something really important that we need to understand. Jesus says, I have the keys of death in Hades. A lot of people don't know that there are actually two different hells that are presented to us in the Bible. Often they're not distinguished in translation. They're just referred to as hell. So people don't realize that there's actually more than one. I've been asked in the past by Christians, do you believe in hell? And I say, of course I believe in hell. But which one are you referring to? And I've had people look at me like, huh? But the truth is that there's a distinction that needs to be made. This word Hades is a reference in the Greek language. That's a Greek word, Hades, to Sheol. Sheol is what we see all through the Old Testament. That's a Hebrew word, Sheol, for where you go when you die, basically. 
All through the Old Testament, Jewish people, and still to this day, and all through history, Jewish people have believed that when you die, you go to Sheol, and there you await a resurrection. Because yes, even many Jewish people believe in a one-day-in-the-future resurrection. Well, Jesus comes on the scene about 2,000 years ago, and he sort of expands on our understanding of what Sheol is. He tells us, just so, so you know, that Sheol is in fact the place where people go when they die, but there's two sides to it. There's a place where people are tormented, very uncomfortable to say the least, and there's a place on the other side of Sheol where you go and you are comforted. There's a story in Luke 16, not a parable, a story called Lazarus and the Rich Ruler that Jesus tells. I would suggest you go and read it. The reason I say it's not a parable is because Jesus never used people's names in parables. If that is a parable, it's the only one in the Bible of the 40 plus parables Jesus tells where he uses someone's name. But that's another story. Now, Jesus says that this place, this is also known as Hades in the New Testament, will one day be thrown into the lake of fire. Because remember, death and Hades. Jesus says he holds the key, but both of them, at the end of this book, will be thrown into the lake of fire to be heard from no more. The lake of fire is, most scholars believe, a reference to the other place that we see presented to us in Scripture. This place is called Gehenna. Gehenna. This is the Aramaic word, And Gehenna represents actually a real place that exists and that existed in Jewish history. It was called and is still called to this day the Valley of Hinnom. It's to the east of the old city of Jerusalem. It's a place where sadly for hundreds of years, wicked kings of Judah and Israel used to sacrifice their children to the pagan god Molech. That's right. God told the children of Israel when they entered the promised land, to destroy all the inhabitants because he said, if you don't destroy them, you will be like them. And I do not want you to be like them. You're my people. You're set apart. Well, they were disobedient. And God, what God said would come to pass, came to pass. And many of the kings of Judah and Israel became wicked, became pagan. And it got so bad that they ended up doing the one thing that God said he despised more than anything else. They sacrificed their children on the altar of pagan gods in fire. They actually burned their children alive to death. And they did it in the valley of Hinnom, where there was a a temple, uh, I'm sorry, an altar and a statue of the pagan god Molech for years, all the way up until the 7th century BC when the righteous king Josiah destroyed it. And from that point forward, the valley of Hinnom became quite literally, the trash dump of the city of Jerusalem. It's where people would go and throw their trash and even human remains. There was constant fires burning in this valley of Hinnom because it was constantly consuming the waste, the trash that people threw there. Jesus comes along, he looks at it, and he says, this is what Gehenna is going to be like. This is what the eternal hell is like. The place where even death and Hades will be thrown one day is like this place, the Valley of Hinnom or Gehenna, where there's constant fire and there's just constantly things being consumed by it. It's a place of torment. 
It's a place of great discomfort. It's a place you do not want to be. The point is this. Jesus says that he holds the keys to death and Hades, right? We know that Jesus has defeated death, right? Jesus was a righteous man. When he gave his life, when he surrendered to death, he actually defeated death because death had no right over him. He was without sin. That's why he was resurrected three days and three nights after he died. And one day he will completely obliterate and destroy death once and for all by throwing it into the lake of fire, into Gehenna. But for now, we know that death, it's, it's still a thing. It's still a thing that we deal with in this life on this side of eternity. But Jesus says that he holds the keys. He holds the keys. In other words, even death itself is not outside Jesus's scope of authority. My friends, there's many Christians that sadly are still afraid of death. And they even want to talk about it as if it's at odds with God, as if, you know, God has nothing to do with death. God doesn't allow death. It's, it's you know, there's this total detachment that happens. Now, look, God's not the author of death. That's true. Death was not a part of God's original creation. But what does Jesus say? Death has been subdued and he now holds the keys to it, which means that death for the Christian has been transformed. It is no longer anything that we fear. We do not fear death because for us, death is not the end. It's the beginning. It's the beginning of our real life. It's the beginning of our eternal life. And we know that when we die, we will meet the Lord face to face. If he tarries and we die before he returns, we'll meet him face to face. And then when he returns, our bodies will be resurrected. And we will never, ever have to deal with some of these places that are talked about in the Bible, these places of eternal torment. We don't have to fear that. But what we do, what we do have to do is continue to stay faithful to Jesus Christ. Continue to obey him, continue to honor him, continue to put him first in our lives every single day. Continue to love him with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. Continue to let him teach us how to fear him and nothing else at all. That's when life really becomes transformed. And even the thought of dying becomes completely transformed because you no longer see it as something to be afraid of, as something to avoid, as something to fear. You see it as something that, you know what? Even that has been brought under the power of Jesus Christ. And he already knows the day that I'm appointed to die. And on that day, I'll see him face to face. So what is there to be afraid of? Jesus wants us to be sure, to be confident that even that is something not to be afraid of. He will not allow us to die outside of the time and place appointed by him. It is not something at all that we are called to fear. So look, this has been a really kind of full and busy episode. We've learned about the two different types of hell that are talked about in the Bible. Those will become more and more important and prominent as this book goes on. But the main takeaway, Jesus says, do not be afraid. And even death and even Hades has come under my power. I hold the keys. That's what Jesus says. What do you say? I pray for you, my dear listeners and watchers, that you will 
wade into this, that you'll embrace it. And then if you still have anywhere in your heart and life that maybe is fearful, is apprehensive about the future, about things to come, that you will ask God to help you realize what Jesus is conveying to us right here, that it'll get in your heart, that you'll realize, man, God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son, my Lord, they know the beginning from the end. They've got it all figured out. And I can just simply focus on loving them and being faithful to them. And I don't have to worry about that at all. Even death is something I am not afraid of. That is all the time we have for today. I'll be back later this week to finish up chapter one of Revelation. We'll be in verses 19 and 20. Until then, thanks so much for listening and watching. I'm Blake Barbera signing off. Stay blessed, live loved, and thank you once again for being a part of that you may know him.